All right, everybody. Super fun Thursday show on this week in startups today. First up, a new segment, Little Big Things. This is little things we're noticing in products that are awesome or that suck. And today, Apple News is in my crosshairs with one thing that's awesome and then one thing that really sucks. Yeah, how a little bit thing can lead to a big conversation and uh, yes. Apple's ad business is definitely that conversation. And then Lon Harris is back for this week in streaming. We're gonna talk about Zaslov again and the cuts and the shows being put into the basement to collect dust. Sith Lord Zaslov is oh, not pleased. You know Jason's loving this one. And they removed over 30 titles from HBO Max, including 20 originals. Anyway, it is going to be a great conversation with Lon. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Embroker's Startup Insurance Program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. And Ravello. Looking to affordably scale your product development with global tech talent in U.S. time zones? Hire vetted remote developers in Latin America with Ravello. Get 20% off the first three months at ravello.com slash twist. All right, Molly, I wanted to do a new segment on the show. We have a lot of founders listening and a lot of investors listening, and we have people who are fans of technology writ large. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do was start a new concept. We do We Live in the Future, we do OK Boomer, we do VC Sunday School, we do This Week in Climate, we do This Week in uh, Streaming. <laughs> streaming, we got a lot we're of never segments. done. We're never done. We're never done. This is a new segment called Little Big Things. There's a website called Big Little Things or Little Big Things. I don't know what the website's called. But anyway, Little Big Things. What this is, is just observations about product excellence and things we're noticing that other people aren't necessarily talking about that you uh, might appreciate. So I had one that I noticed and I asked people about this and nobody had known about this. Hmm. So I, I, I'm now a subscriber to like whatever the Apple Prime concept is. So I get the video games, I get the Apple TV plus I get everything I get right storage. Me too. What is it called Apple one or something? Maybe it's Apple mm. one. Yeah. So littlebigdetails.com is a really cool design inspiration site. So this is I kind of stole the name from them. I'm calling it little big things. It's people talk about this all the time in product design. So it's yeah. not exactly their idea. But you can go to little big details and see how UX designers focus on little details. This is kind of tangentially related. But I was going through Apple News, which is great and getting better. Mm -hmm. And you know how I like to use these third party softwares to listen. I use third party software to listen to articles because I like to go for a walk in the morning. And mm -hmm. I, I got you in on that. And we use a couple of different pieces of software for it. I won't say which one, but we've used three or four different ones. And sometimes we'll get a PDF of an early copy of a book and I'll take it and they don't have the audio book out and I'll run it through this audio software so I can listen to it. Anyway, put it all aside. I was on Apple News. So I noticed between stories, you know, when you're on your Apple News, you, swi you switch left and right. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that some of these had a little note and we'll see it come up in a second. There it is. Boom. So here is the untold story of the Biden family, rep a reporter at large. And at the top, it says, play the story. And I hit okay. play. It's a beautiful voiceover. 
you know, like really like done NPR style. Published in the print issue of the New Yorker. This isn't a computer. No, this is beautiful. Story yeah. of the president's family. Oh, that's and lovely. And so I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And I, I, I started whipping through it and I found like three or four of them. I never heard an announcement about this. I didn't see it at a keynote. I, I don't know if I'm in the testing group, but the two details I want to point out here is just how powerful that is to get your news read to you. Now, who's mm -hmm. responsible for that? Is this a third party company? New York Times had bought a third party company that was doing this exact business called Autumn that actually I tried to invest in I reached out to the founder. Hmm. But they got sold really quickly. And I think they were just doing audio versions of, you know, long reads, Molly. So it could be a third party like that. Or Apple, I think maybe started this program and is asking people to do it. And then just linking to it, this could change everything. Mm -hmm. What an incredible business model this could be, you know, in terms of getting people to pay for stuff. And I notice other websites are doing this on their own. The Wall Street Journal seems to be doing some stories. I don't know if you've gone to a Wall Street Journal story and said, seen play this story. I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. but now to see it in Apple News is pretty incredible. I think Apple News has a chance of becoming like the, the one and only newsreader. There were so many newsreaders. I had an app for newsreading for Inside. Uh, I had invested in Circa, which was very cool. There was a whole swath of these. Smarter News tried it in the US. They're an incredible one from Japan and China. So in China, Japan, uh, Korea, they have news apps that are social. So instead of going to Twitter or Facebook and getting news, you go to a news app and then you put social underneath it. That never happened here. But I think Apple's got a shot here of having something very special. And then the final question is, Apple's building quite an interesting ad business with their search. You mm -hmm. do a spotlight search, you see some ads. You do an app store search, you see some ads. Those ads used to be on Facebook and Google. Now you see them in the app store. But swiping between stories, there's ads now. Mm. Who gets the money for that? Mm -hmm. If it was between a Wall Street Journal story and a Verge story, would the Wall Street Journal get the ad? Would the Verge get the ad? Or would neither get the ad revenue? Or would they each get a third and Apple gets a third? This is like, you know, when a podcast player tries to insert ads into your podcast, that's no good, right? No bueno. Right. But if they put it after your show or before your show, they can't do it before you have to start with them. But at the end of the show, they will play an ad, I believe, between podcasts on Spotify. I need to get clarification. And it's like on a this. dynamically inserted. Yeah. Bloomberg's. So who wait? And then if they do that dynamic, Molly, uh -huh. and they say, when you buy it, we're going to give it to users who listen to this week in startups and pivot and all in and I don't know, NP uh, marketplace tech. Shouldn't that be our money if they're selling it on the tech channel, not mm -hmm. Spotify's? But then again, we want Spotify to make money and we appreciate them building a platform that we have our ads embedded. So should we be cool with it? Very interesting question, right? Yeah, it is an interesting question. Well, in the case of Apple... Bloomberg's Apple expert who we found on the show, Mark Gurman, says a portion of ad revenue from the news apps today tab goes to publishers, but it's not clear how much. Gurman also mentioned that Apple lets publishers advertise within their stories and publishers keep the vast majority of that money. Because to your point, it is sort of a double whammy. Like you want these platforms to continue to exist. Yes. But not at the expense of news, which is exactly what the, you know, why everybody's been like suing Google and they're trying to get the snippets taken down and they're trying yes. to like renegotiate all of their deals with Facebook in terms yeah. of what, how, who gets paid when stories show up. And now you've got this like additional layer of advertising. So could hmm. somebody in the media business just drop a dime and tell us, send yeah. us the contract snippet or tell us what's going on here? 
that the public needs to know what's going on here. And I, what I would like to know from people in the ad buying business, if they could email producers at This Week in Startups with this information, uh, you can do it from a burner account if you like, but just some idea of what's going on here. When you buy ads on Apple News, are they selling The Verge and you could buy an ad that's, you know, after the Wall Street Journal Verge? Or are they saying the tech business channel, which includes The Verge Wall Street Journal? Mm -hmm. I'd like to know how they're doing that because if they're using people's names and if spotify is doing that with this week and startups all in marketplace pivot whatever tech podcasts are out there then they're interfering with our ability to do commerce in the world they're like going to the same set of advertisers saying hey you can get the same users buy them direct from us as opposed to buying them from you know marketplace or npr mm -hmm. or vox so i need some experts to, to drop a dime and rat on what's going on with these <laughs> platforms i want to know what's going on here I do too. And I, I do think that Apple is waiting. Apple is obviously, we know, taking a lot of steps to increase its ad business overall and come for Facebook and Google in these various ways. And also it's treading into dangerous water, right? Because Apple has had this good, if somewhat uneasy reputation with developers and publishers, because it's like, okay, we got to we got to be here and it's really good for us and it's high quality users and it's high quality revenue. But if all of a sudden Apple starts selling ads against their content, they might be mm. upset. And there's this big privacy question. Like Apple has been able to say, oh, we uh, let you opt out of all kinds of advertising yes. tracking. But all of a sudden, if Apple is the one who's like, yeah, but we still tracked it and now we're advertising against it, it's going to be a little dicey for them too. So I think the Apple yeah. would be wise to be this is never going to happen because it is not their MO, but Apple would be wise to be as transparent as humanly possible about how they're going to conduct their ads business because it's dangerous territory from the publisher side and the consumer side. I'm going to quickly explain one of the crucial types of insurance that every founder of every startup needs to understand. It's called cyber insurance. It's a, you know, it's a little cyberpunk name. What it basically means is hacks. You got to be covered in case you get hacked. And in these crazy times, you want to be protected. So if you don't have business insurance, you have failed one of the first steps of being a great founder. And startups should look no further than in broker. This is the insurance company I use. Their technology will save you time and money. Their prices are up to 20% lower and you get better coverage than the incumbents. You can go from sign up to quote and purchase in just 10 minutes. When you work with Embroker, you're not dealing with large, slow incumbents, no. Your sign up is going to take just days, not weeks, and the process is so transparent. There is no opaque pricing. Everything's easy breezy, lemon squeezy. I use it myself. A lot of my startups use it. And you can instantly buy custom-built insurance for startups by going to imbroker.com slash twist. That's E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist. And when you're there, you're going to get an extra 10% off by using my code. Twist. Yeah. And, you know, they had the high ground for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and now they have to explain themselves because we mm -hmm. talked about how they were asking us to opt into ad targeting. And they're like, but here's our here's how our ad targeting is different. We don't have a database of all of your stuff somewhere. We on your local phone, we have your preferences or whatever, and we'll serve an ad based on what's on your phone. But we never have custodian of that. We're just matching. Hey, you use your stock app, you know, five times a day, you know, Robinhood ads and E-Trade ads for E-Trade ads for you. Oh, you use TikTok all day. And I don't know, what's a e-commerce site, you know, and, and, and Stitch like, Fix and whatever. Yeah. Uh, we're going to show Etsy. you ads related to yeah, Etsy. We're, you use Etsy and Pinterest all day. We're going to show you a different set of ads for, mm -hmm. you know, related apps. And you can uh, kind of understand how that is different. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're explaining yourself 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a hard position to be in with Lena Khan. And then Khan pretty soon and, it's like you use Pinterest and you use Etsy and we know everywhere you went and we know everyone you communicated with and we know every app you've ever downloaded and we have your contacts and you know, I mean, it's like... But they don't because it's stored locally on your phone. So that is the thing that Apple is using to hold themselves accountable. You, all of your data is on your phone and your iCloud, but they don't have access to it is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But they and can that go is why they should, they should say that and prove yeah. it and say prove it again it, yeah. and prove exactly. it again, right? Like, that's yes. what I'm saying is if you were getting into the ads business, you yeah. need to be very intentional about how you communicate to your business yeah. partners and your consumers. Because like you just said, this has been Apple's big area of high ground this whole time. Yeah, they're going to yeah. basically give up the high ground after they just built it. They climbed the hill and now they're going to knock yeah. themselves off of it. Why? And like, why do advertising? Stupid. Exactly. You're printing money. Yeah, I don't get it. It just um, feels like it's a dirty, I'm sorry, like it's a dirty little trench to climb into. And if I'm Apple One and I'm paying all this money to you, Tim Cook, yeah, uh, Eddie Q, why? Because Eddie Q is in charge. This is a message to Eddie Q. If I'm paying, why am I seeing ads? Mm-hmm. The whole thing of Apple is you hate ads. Right. And now you're giving me ads in news and you're giving me ads in the app store and you're giving me ads everywhere. I don't want ads. I'm paying you money for a subscription. Take them out. Premium. I came here to be premium. Yes. And now yes. you're slipping them in. And they might be coming to Apple Maps. What? Oh, there are going to be ads at Apple Maps? Maybe. Uh, come on, Apple. German reported maybe. And it would look something like Yelp ads. All right, here we go. <sighs> so this is just a stupid, stupid decision. Tim Cook, Eddie Q, cut this. Somebody send it to them. Okay, we are Apple users, fanboys, girls, etc. Nobody here wants ads. We picked your platform because we don't want to be tracked and we don't want ads. Yeah. Now, you're making us have ads in the App Store, ads in news, ads in the stock app. Enough with the Meshuggah. I don't want that. I pay no ads. too much for that. Like, not to be Le- an elitist, we pay all the money, so Correct. much money. And the reason we pay it is because we don't want this, like, crappy Android. <laughs> Do not put it in I don't want Apple this. Maps. No. Apple Maps already sucks. You can make it suck more? Come on. Yeah. Apple Maps is awesome, I will say. I've been using it for several years now exclusively, and I love it. Waze is so much better. Oh, God, I can't stand Waze. The only thing that I like about Apple... Because Waze is all cluttered up with ads and shit. I don't want that. I know, but I want to optimize my route in real time. I want to see multiple (laughs) routes. I want to understand it better. It doesn't have good routing, uh, Apple Maps. Putting all this aside, uh, this business of Apple's with ads... Is getting big. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's getting big. And they want it to get even bigger. So, like, look out more. Apparently, Todd Teresi, who is Apple's VP of ads and now reports directly to Eddie Q, is planning on growing ad revenue from its current $4 billion a year. Yeah, exactly. Look out. To, quote, double-digit billions. All right. Eddie Q, all due respect to Todd Teresi. Fire Todd Teresi. Reassign him. Get rid of the ads business. Throw it in the garbage. Focus on on making the services better finish apple maps make news better we're paying you some goddamn thing with fitness come on are you kidding me with that fitness app you're gonna give me ads and that fitness app i can't even be like i'd like to do leg day like sucks i mean really so so such a horror steve jobs would never have let you do this full stop that's actually true steve jobs would have the, if somebody brought this up, hey, you know what we could do? We could put ads in between the stories and the, you know, and then when you go on your map, we could put a Taco Bell there. Steve Jobs was there. I'm sorry. Could you, you say that one more time? <laughs> one more time? 
Mm-hmm. You want the users to get ads? Mm-hmm. Is this guy? Can you get out? Can you, can you get him out of here? He would have thrown you out of the meeting, and he would have thrown an yeah. iPhone at the back of your head on the way out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Steve Jobs doesn't want anything to do with ads. He hates ads. We all hate yeah. ads. Stop it. We all hate ads. It's a bad customer Stop experience. Stop it. <laughs> Honestly, people love to talk about what Steve Jobs would do and would not do. And I will yes. say this is one of the very few times when you are 100% right. He would have thrown these people out of the building. Now, if it's a host read ad and Eddie Q is going to read the ad, totally fine with it. If Eddie <laughs> Q wants to read an ad <laughs> for Casper mattresses, I'm okay with it. But yeah. you know, host ad, let, read ads are just, you know, they're delightful. But everything else. So. You know... <laughs> Look, I understand that a publicly traded company in a capitalist society with a responsibility to shareholders has to keep making money. Apple's making plenty of money. Like, I don't yes, understand. I a couple of billion dollars is ultimately incremental. Double-digit billions is still incremental revenue for Apple it's nothing. that could be made in other ways without ruining the consumer experience to this extent. I mean, we don't know sad. what it's really going to look like, but Perfectly still. sad. And then here's another option. How about if I'm part of Apple One, you say, would you like to see ads in any of these services? Sometimes mm-hmm. the ads provide value in the App Store. The only time I would want to see an ad really is the App Store, I'll be honest, because that would give me some signal that, hey, maybe there's somebody who's got a, an app that's really good and they really want to show it to me and they're willing to pay for it. So maybe that's good signal. But that's it. I don't want to see it in news. I don't, I don't want to see it in the stock app. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't want to see it on Maps. Just let, if I'm Apple One, no ads. Yeah. Defaults matter by default. So anyway, those are, there's your uh, little big things for the, for the day. And if you have little big things you've seen on the web, just uh, at mention us, Molly and I, or you just send it to us, producers at thisweekinstartups.com. We want to find these little nuggets of interesting things as jump off points for discussions because product is what drives the industry. And so when mm-hmm. you see some interesting product feature that you never heard of before, and it's kind of interesting, your job is to get it to us quickly. And then we'll give you a shout out on the show. And Molly, I would like you to be on the, uh, the, the lookout as well. Little I'm things in. that I you find, you know, maybe yeah, something in your poll star, you know, something in your browser. It just got CarPlay. They weren't lying. I actually got an over-the-air oh. software update for my car that delivered CarPlay. What? Mm. That is something that I would love to see Tesla when have you is CarPlay. get a thing that you were promised mm. as a consumer, how sad is it that you're just like, wait, what, really? <laughs> it's a, we have a pretty low benchmark. We really do. We really we have do. a low benchmark of what our expectations from Little folks. big things. I love this segment. Little big things. All right, everybody. We, we next, live in the future. We live and, in the future. And, we have and they too. always lead to big, big things. Mm-hmm. That's why. Little big things. It could be something that annoys you too, by the way. I would like to see those. Like the ad stuff is the annoying thing. (laughs) Well, no, no. But here, the ads today, I presented two things I found in the same app. Right. The ads, annoying, uh, especially because they were like mortgage refi ads. It's like, really? Yeah, those were janky. Mm -hmm. Um, And if if it was was an ad, if it was an Apple ad as an example, or it was an ad for Game of Thrones, I actually would have thought it was like content. So Mm -hmm. it would have been like better with it. So that might be a little nuance there. If it's better ads, I might feel better about it. It feels like you're doing a bad job, Todd Teresi. (laughs) Todd Teresi, bad job on the ads here. Do not allow schlocky ads in there. You're using some kind of ad network where you're letting people self-serve. Just make it top tier ads and don't waste our time with garbage. Now, yes. see, now yeah. you're compromising. No right, ads. I'm going full absolutist. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm with you. <laughs> Next up on the show, we got our guy, Lon Harris, for this week in streaming. Uh, yes, more huge news from HBO Max and Sith Lord Zaslav has come in and he has not been pleased with the progress of the Death Star. 14% riff, 30 shows canned, 
the Sith Lord is not pleased. It's got the double and lightsaber you will out. Hope I do not change the terms of the deal further. <laughs> Get to work, everybody. <laughs> And we think we may have picked a new show. We're going to talk about the massive shows dropping soon, Ooh. including House of the Dragon. We might start mm. watching that on Sunday and Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. So like, much. To, so I'm much, excited about both of those. All right, so much TV, us. so little time. Stick with us. Here's Lon. It's really important for founders to understand what SOC 2 compliance is. Basically, if you're a SaaS or services company that stores customer data in the cloud, you need to be SOC 2 verified from a third party so you can close major customers. It's really simple. If you're not SOC 2 compliant, you can't close big deals. But SOC 2 verification can be brutal. The process is tedious, it's time consuming, and it can be very, very expensive. But now there's Vanta. Vanta software makes it much easier to get and renew your SOC 2. Vanta customers, on average, on average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that with three to five months without Vanta. And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. And congratulations to our friend Christina and the team over at Vanta for raising their $110 million Series B. What an amazing company. I was able to put a little bet in there. I invested in the company myself. Here's the best part. Vanta is going to give you $1,000 off. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. That's Vanta, V-A-N-T-A dot com slash twist for $1,000 off your sock too. Our pal Alan Harris is with us and hey. Molly is back from her triumphant recording, co-hosting, guest co-hosting. I think I did this a couple years ago uh, with Kara Swisher for the Pivot podcast coming out this Friday. So, so don't listen to fun. Pivot, go check out Friday's episode. Yeah, go listen. It's great. Great, great, great. Good company to be in for August. Ah, very nice. Very nice. A little crossover action. And, uh, but... No Professor Galloway, right? No, no Professor, G. no. He's been off for all of August and they've had all this like really big name co-hosts and then also me. And I was like, this is awesome. Oh, no, you're a big name. Of course you're a big name. You're talking about No, it's great. Big name. It's great. Is he on vacation uh, for the whole month of August? That yeah, he took, nice. apparently wow. this is like a new thing. I've been I, listening a lot to catch up and I guess he's like never taken a month off before or something. Wow. He took a whole month off. Luxurious. But I keep seeing him on Twitter. I heard him talk about it. He takes the month of August off to go to Ibiza and take Molly, is what mm. he said. So... It's Which a new thing. We're just announcing. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, starting it. next year, this, this is week, startup crew is going to be. <laughs> we're all going to be in Italy doing mushrooms. <laughs> sure, why With not? Whole, it's going to be a crossover event. The crossover event of the season. Yes. Yeah. We, just it's going to be like in Ibiza. Crossover podcasts and psychedelics in Ibiza. Yeah. Uh, but Lon, <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for of course, Ibiza. I appreciate Ibiza. It. It's the uh, only the way for this pronunciation. <laughs> shout out to prof g i mean for a guy who's 66 years old to be in ibiza taking molly is extraordinary so of course Lon is uh and she everybody. was narrator and she was never invited back yeah that's she it. was never invited back. <laughs> i don't hate prof g just so we're clear i thought he was a put on you oh know in, in the same way that jim Cramer does like antics i thought he's doing antics to make a point and I thought if I made jokes about his antics, like that would all be taking good fun. But apparently he's super sensitive to me pointing out the fact that he thinks J. Crew is going to be a better bet and a better J trade than Amazon. 
or that Tesla and Uber and Robinhood are going to zero and they're not. So anyway, I thought that guy could take a joke anyway. But you know, if people get old, they get grumpy, you know, when oh you're 68. Oh my God. All right. So here's Lon. <laughs> so Lon, I, listen, if I was 70, I streaming. might be grumpy too. I might oh be grumpy no, too. Lord. I'm, I'm a little jealous of that body. I mean, By for somebody way, Rachel who's- is like, I'm sorry, have you seen the new J. Crew director? Like you need to trade that. She's a beast. Anyway, <laughs> if I was 72 and I had a chest like that, I'd take my shirt off as well. Just, do you hate me? All right, so Lon this is, week in Zaslav. Yeah, yeah this we should just change the segment. It's a, he's, he's the newsmaker every week now. All right, tell us, Molly. Cue it up, please. Thank you. Yeah, Sorry, welcome, Lon. Welcome back to the show. Lon Harris, uh, of course, writes the Inside Streaming Newsletter, podcast host of Binge Boys, a weekly guide to all things streaming, or in this case, uh, this week in Zaslav. So, okay, let's talk some more about HBO and HBO Max and we what this to. murderous nightmare of a man that Jason loves is doing <laughs> over <laughs> my kind of guy <laughs> over at HBO. Apparently, yeah. uh, they have now laid off 14% of staff under HBO and HBO Max's chief content officer, Casey Bloys. All yeah. of those people are being laid off. The cuts are impacting about 70 employees. Mostly this was this news broke a few days ago, I think, but we have yeah. just been hanging on to it to talk to you about it, Lon. At first, we had a moment of panic thinking like, wait, is this the boys? But it seems like it's the unscripted and live action right. family programming departments. We're going to talk about more title cuts um, in a minute. But what do you have? What are you thinking about this? These staff cuts right we now? We knew the live action kids and family programming was kind of on its way out. They'd already started canceling a lot of those shows. And they weren't really that heavy into doing that kind of stuff anyway. I guess it's just sort of a strategic decision like... We, we're not competitive already with the people that are doing this full time, that are really focused on kids live action. We've got Cartoon Network, so animation is sort of going to be our bread and butter for family content. And so that's sort of been pushed aside. That one we already knew. The big news here was that, yeah, basically there's not going to be any more HBO Max specific reality programming. They're just going to handle all reality nonfiction content through the massive and robust Discovery Plus team they already have that specializes in that content. So I think I think this is probably the most obvious cut that we knew was coming because obviously it's sort of a duplicate group. Mm -hmm. HBO Max's nonfiction department and then Discovery's already much larger and nonfiction department with already all of these relationships, Food Network, HGTV, Discovery Channel, all already feeding into that team. So it sort of makes mm. sense. Like, well, yeah, if you wanted to do a new culinary reality show, why not just let the team from Food Network do it? Got it. So this is basic like merger stuff right here. This is yeah. just duplicative. Like, nah, this is not a moment to freak out on Twitter about. Save your fire. I mean, like, look, I feel like all, all of those people are great people, I'm sure. And like, it, you know, it sucks to see a lot of people getting laid off. So I don't mean to minimize it from that angle. But yeah, this is very traditional merger redundancy stuff where it's like, well, now they have two teams making reality shows and they probably don't need that. And if you're already looking to save money, that's like an obvious place you'd start as well. These guys made Selena and Chef, but if we want to do another food, and that, it, it is worth noting, some of these HBO Max reality shows, there are a few that are pretty big hits that will probably stick around. That's one that I mentioned. Uh, Selena Gomez has her cooking show where she has celebrity mm -hmm. chefs come on. That's already going to have a new season, I think, in a few weeks. And that one... Stuff like that will keep going. It's just in terms of new development, it'll go through discovery. Makes sense. I mean, we wouldn't even be talking about this if it was the accounting HR 
you know, or the IT department, those departments get merged and consolidated in mergers all the time. But because those are not fancy dancy positions that are vocal, you know, or high profile, we, we kind of mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, whatever, you lost your job, and you're part of the legal department, boohoo right. for you, you got a big severance package, move on. You know, this is notable, because these are creatives. And there's a lot right. of emotion that comes into and I, I don't and when I say there's a lot of emotion that goes into it, that's not a dig. Uh, I'm think emotion right, is strength, right? This yeah, is I mean, you put your h- heart and soul into making things. These are your babies. Man, it's really hard to see them go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that is, and you it's, know, it's not a it's not a question of the popularity or the success of these no. shows. A lot of these shows are doing well or have fan base. It, it's just a matter of well, this there's now two teams working for one streaming platform. So yes, yeah, it's it's this is the hard work of mergers. It's the hard work that a Zaslav I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but I like Zaslav. <laughs> I'm going to go with Zaslav. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds heard, more super villainy. So I think he feels to me like a mentor. Zaslav. Like if I could, if I could have like three mentors, it'd be like Zaslav, Slootman. Who else is completely? Maybe <laughs> Bill Gates, circa '87. I would go Lex Luthor, Steve Jobs, circa. Mobile me when they <laughs> like. I would like to be in that room when he fired everybody. Mobile me. Oh, I like boy. those crucible moments where, like the 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 hero, and in my mind, the hero is the CEO. Like yeah, I was say, Steve Jobs, the hero. <laughs> that story. I don't know. We know. I've I'm seen that the movie, anti-hero. and I don't know if he comes off like the hero. <laughs> uh, I would like the anti-hero to. Uh, yeah, I like the anti-hero darkness of this. No, it's it's great for the business. It sucks for the people involved. Always, you know, everybody has our sympathies. But you know, I have a hard time in the Western world when high paid people get their six months of severance and go do yoga and go on vacation and then get a higher paying job after that. Like that's all we've known in our lives. Like so I don't I don't feel terrible for them. I always feel worse when a factory yeah, shuts the, down, the, the, you know, the and we top, moved it offshore. The top people yeah. will probably mm-hmm. jump to other streaming platforms and other reality TV departments. I don't know about everybody. This is a big group of people. Hmm. There are probably going to be some people who this is their their final entertainment gig and they're going to move back home and get a job locally. Like, look, Got that it. happens. That's the yeah. L.A. life. That's, you know? I mean, right. if you know any like Hollywood writers, you know that that is almost, yeah. unqu- you know, unquestionably yeah. true that for some people it's going to be like, all right, this is it. The, because the, they're the, just the top people will consolidation will ultimately does lead to fewer employment opportunities. Right. And but it's what's notable, I think, about this in many ways. And we're going to get to even more notable is the kind of like rejection of of any sunk cost fallacy whatsoever. It's like, Mm. if it's not going to be good for the business long term, it is out. And it does not matter that it was, you know, $300 million already invested in CNN Plus. It does not matter that Batgirl was already done and in the can for the most part. Like, not going to do it. And there's just, there is a really clean ruthlessness about that. Like, it doesn't work. I don't care what you spent on it up to this date. Well said. Well, better than I could even say it. I mean, I think the sunken cost fallacy gets leaders in trouble. And the more creative you are, the more tied to that you would be. Yeah. Uh, The sunken cost fallacy is, you know, it's a rough one. It's a rough one. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and he is immune apparently to it. Um, yeah. But speaking of cuts, okay, now let's talk about the stuff that is going to be on Twitter. Yeah, this is the real sunk cost stuff. <laughs> this is the real oh sunk cost stuff where it's like this may end up coming with a cost. HBO Max is removing mm-hmm. 36 titles, okay. including 20 originals from its streaming services. So this is like, they're not canceling projects. They're like taking stuff that's already been done and streaming. Mm. And just disappearing it. And we knew about some of these, like Camping, Vinyl, Mrs. Fletcher Run. They'd already announced that those, which are original HBO Max shows, were going to go away. Or HBO Mm -hmm. shows. Mm. Uh, But now we've got a list of, yeah, 36 more titles, including 20 that only lived on HBO Max. And it includes, like... Animate the Cartoon Network animated series Infinity Train, which has a lot of fans, was was popular. Mm. Summer Camp Island, another uh, Cartoon Network original that had an audience. That Elmo late night talk show parody they did, yeah. the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. Uh, Uncle Grandpa, uh, a well-known Cartoon Network show. My Dinner with Hervé, that show where Peter Dinklage played Hervé Villachez is leaving. So, I mean... Uh, like notable content that it, I, I'm sure they're basing this in some part on the data. Like it's not being watched as much as other stuff. And so they feel like they could save money. I, oh, go ahead. I've never met anybody who saw Mrs. Fletcher. And when I meet somebody who saw vinyl, we geek out at how awesome it was, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Oh my God, you did see it. Cause, yeah. Cause I felt like vinyl, like, I don't know why that didn't hit. It was so good. So well done. It's just like, a, you know, there's so many of these shows and, and yeah. I think some of them, Peak just TV. Do, they get, they get by people close enough is another animated series that HBO Max is going to cut. And for some of these shows close enough in summer camp Island uh, are, and infinity trade are good examples. They're, they don't live anywhere else. They're, they're not on physical media. They're not going to be on other platforms because HBO Max has said they're not going to start licensing these things. So they're just gone. So like Bobby this- Cannavale, is so completely great. underrated. <laughs> that is accurate. But so I have a like a I don't this is a business question for Lon. Like I don't understand how this saves them money. It's the residual that what what I don't know either. What variety yeah. is suggesting is that it's the residual payments to the actors and the creatives. That even though they don't have to pay like TV syndication because it doesn't live on television, they do have to pay if you're leaving something on HBO Max, they mm. do have to pay out some form of payment ongoing to the creative team, to the actors, whatever they negotiated. So Catherine Hahn, when she signed on to make Mrs. Fletcher, had some deal like, if this lives on your streaming platform, you got to kick me a certain thousand, this amount of money per month or whatever. I don't know what hmm. the deal is. So and do we think that that's like so much money that it's worth, like we're saying, literally disappearing shows that no one can ever that, watch again? That is the crux of the question is, is we don't know what kind of savings he's putting together by taking all of these shows and not paying the residuals anymore. Obviously, somebody there feels like it's enough. And these are I, I, I'm assuming they're looking at viewership and it's like, what are the least viewed things we could get rid of and save on residuals? And I have this a is theory. That list. Hmm. I have a theory. Mm-hmm. And I have some back of the envelope math. There is no way that the residuals are $10 million. No. Right. We would agree per show. No. These are, these okay. are going to okay. be now, small percentages of whatever the original fees were. There is no way the residuals are $100,000 per show. It's got to be more than that. Or why would they even negotiate it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mm-hmm. would say that's probably true. You're talking about okay. movie stars and stuff in a lot of these cases. Yeah. Can't, I mean, why would you even have residuals of like 
a hundred thousand in total for Miss Fletcher. Well, I'll give you an example. One of the Mm -hmm. shows that's getting pulled is an animated series called Little Ellen. No celebrities on it, but it's inspired by the young life of Ellen DeGeneres. So Ellen DeGeneres has some deal where she gets paid every month for Little Ellen being on there, and they're going to save money by backing out of that deal. Got it. So if it was 10 million, it would be 360 million a year. Okay, that's a that's a reasonable number to care about, right? If that went to their payments for their debt, it's a it's a it's a portion of their debt payment, right? And they, this company has 50 billion in debt. If it was 500 billion, it'd be 1% of their debt, right? So then it would be meaningful. Mm-hmm. So and we know for it's not three, it's not $5 million, right? Because that would be such a de minimis amount, they would just leave it up there it wouldn't even be worth having this bad feelings. So it's got to be between those two numbers. Five, five million and 500 million in saving 100 million in savings to create this kind of bad will is like, mm, okay, yeah, I can see it for 25 million. I don't see it. So anyway, I put the number here, you know, low hundreds of millions, maybe in order for it to be significant. But here's my other mm-hmm. theory. But when you merge these services, and you try to make one singular service, I'm guessing that you would then need to go renegotiate with potentially Ellen DeGeneres, or it's a murky situation for her Ellen show. Okay, now it's HBO Max Discovery, or whatever they're going to call this thing. (laughs) I would just call it HBO uh, Discovery. Yeah. But anyway, if I'm going to, I'm going to call it HBO Discovery, that makes the most sense to me. So the HBO Discovery bundle, they probably they might have to clear the rights since they own 100% of the discovery stuff, maybe they don't have to clear it with HBO, but maybe the HBO stuff, the way they did their contracts, because they're more friendly to artists. Maybe they have to go then renegotiate the discovery portion and there'll be so many more viewers. Maybe it's based on viewership in some way. So if the Ellen show gets seen by 200 million people, maybe you pay a different price where it's available to 200 million people, you get a different price than 50 million. So there could be an escalation when these two mm-hmm. things get put together that would be punitive. And so what they do is they say, yeah, f- it, we'll take it off. Beep that out, please. Sorry. Uh, if you're taking it off, then you can negotiate harder. Hey, we'll put it back on, but we're not putting it back on and paying you five times what we're paying you. Yeah, it could this is a theory. I mean, yeah. we know that this is going to have a ripple effect in terms of like creatives notice things like this and the idea yes. that you could create something and then it will get pulled from public view and not even be visible. Uh, the creators of Summer Camp Island already started posting about it's like. It's like, you know, that doesn't even exist. Years right. of our lives are just pulled from public view. In the black so, hole, just gone. Right, there, there, there it is. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, I think this is the sort of thing you're, you're taking a risk or to, to back up what Jason was saying, you're putting people on notice. You're, you're making it known that, look, you're going to have to bear this in mind when you negotiate with WB Discovery moving forward that if you want your work to live on in perpetuity, you have to take a, a cut on the residual expectations or whatever. I don't know. But. Yeah. It is, I mean, it's, it's definitely an ongoing conversation that's now happening about hmm. whether your work is going to live on on these streaming platforms or vanish from view. If you're looking for highly qualified, elite international developers, but you don't want to deal with the crazy time differences, I feel you. That's why I use developers who are in my time zone. And that's why you need to know about Ravello. Ravello is your answer. It's a talent platform and it matches you with vetted full-time remote developers in Latin America, which is where I have my developers. 
They work on U.S. time zones. So you're talking to them for 8, 9, 10 hours a day. And you can collaborate in real time, not play telephone. And you're going to spend less compared to hiring in the U.S. And I will tell you that the developers in Latin America are as good as the developers in America. You're going to get matched with your candidates in three days or less. They're going to handle the payroll, the taxes, the benefits, and more. You get to hire internationally without all the headaches. Ravello engineers are full-time and embedded in your team just like normal employees, okay? And they're proficient. AWS, Rust, Ruby, React, Python, Node.js, all of the great technical platforms out there. They do. Here's your call to action. Go to ravello.com slash twist and mention twist to get 20% off your first three months. Very significant when you think about it. R-E-V-E-L-O.com slash twist. They offer 100% risk free 14 day trial period. If you're not satisfied, you pay nothing r e v e l o dot com slash twist. That probably makes the most sense, though, I could imagine that without it, I mean, because digital distribution rights and negotiations are unbelievably complicated. They're way more complicated when TV is involved. But I mean, at some point, and my knowledge here is a little bit outdated, because it's from when I was like, you know, talking with CBS, and they were starting to just move. But it was like, Di literally different rights for is it on an iPad? Is it on a phone? Is it on TV? Mm -hmm. Is it on? And so I could imagine a universe in which they're saying there are all these shows, they've just been hanging out here, not getting big numbers. And it was not a big deal. Because like you said, the residuals were like a lot, but not a lot de minimis, yeah. but that it could start to get a lot more complicated when every lawyer for every person involved comes and says, Oh, you have a new streaming service now. That's a new deal. Yes. 100%. This is why Netflix yeah. is in a great position because they just theory. told everybody, Netflix just said, we buy it from you for global distribution. You have no residuals. The end. We're going to pay you a high price. We own it forever. No residuals. That's my understanding of the Netflix deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're going to pay you more up front. So we're going to be the best pay in town, but we're going to be the least, we're going to be zero back end. And we're not going to actually give you the metrics. So that's the other thing that tweaks a lot of people is they don't, you don't know the metrics. They will selectively put out metrics when they want to appease Wall Street or whatever, oh, this is the most streamed show ever or whatever. Right. But they do not give creatives any insight into how much they're being watched on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. this is the idea yeah. behind these like creator mega deals like Ryan Murphy or Kenya Barris or Shonda Rhimes. It's like a dump truck full of money up front, but then that's it. It's not a traditional Hollywood deal where they keep having little paydays down the road for the next decade. You don't it's own The like, Simpsons. Right. It's just like, here it is. There's your money. Now we keep everything that you've produced forever. It is without a doubt going to shake up the relationship with creators. Like no doubt about it. I mean, I think everybody, when you're in media, like you kind of know that if another platform is in charge of your stuff, you don't own that, you know, and you've negotiated yeah. away the rights and what, you know, you don't own it. But to throw an A-bomb in the relationship like that, it's, you know, at least there was sort of an uneasy truce. Like you make a thing, it lives somewhere. Right. I think and that's this is the... a very super villain move to just be like, oh, yeah. It's the nuclear option. Nice it's... little show that you poured your heart and soul into in the words of that creator. Like, it's in the basement. no one's ever going to see it. It's in the basement. It's locked it's up with basement. the like the, the crown jewels. Add, the one thing I think that is still a question mark on all this is these ad supported tiers that are coming. Ad-supported streaming grew way faster. Everybody assumed in the early days that Netflix meant no one ever wanted to watch an ad again. And we were all going to pay premium for subscriptions to get rid of all advertising. And then consumers have basically said the opposite, that they're willing to pay a lot less and watch some ads every hour. Yeah. So the assumption is that these shows don't have, it, it, you can't make enough money on them to be worth leaving them up. 
because they don't earn enough to pay the residuals and will save the money by pulling them. But if Mrs. Fletcher would get enough ad revenue to pay off the residuals and then a little bit less, it might be worth leaving up somewhere. So I don't know. We'll see how this shakes out over the next several years. We yeah. may see some of these shows. They're saying now they're not going to license anything or whatever. I think it, it's entirely possible you could see shows that are getting cut from premium services like HBO Discovery winding up on a on a 2B, on an Amazon Freebie, on a Roku channel, on one of these Maybe. other destinations. I mean, you never or you, could per or, you could, or you could put them up for purchase, right? If you really love this cartoon series so much, right. buy the season for 30 bucks on uh, or, exactly. iTunes. And I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, I think we, we probably will come at some point to some kind of version of that where this if you really do love something, it doesn't necessarily vaporize. It's available. It's just not on HBO Max for everybody. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right. There's a lot of exciting things coming. And I have been so overwhelmed with the amount of great content that I have forgotten. I literally cannot keep in my mind anymore, Molly. What good stuff is coming down the pipe? I know. Because I'm just getting over I'm in the afterglow of Obi-Wan. I'm caught up with Better Call Saul, except for the finale, which I started last night, but I fell asleep uh because i've been working out so much and you know it's not a flex but um <laughs> i literally tried to watch the finale of better call Saul three times i couldn't that. do and it Aww. i kept and I, it had nothing to do with how exciting it was because i kept rewinding the same 10 minutes you ever do that in bed you're rewinding the same 10 minutes yeah and you just keep falling asleep yeah. and you're like god it's, damn it i want to watch it's this great you got it you'll you'll get to it you'll get to i know it. i know um but putting that aside i am delighted at the velocity at which content is going to smash into my brain in the fall mm -hmm. so much i had no idea that game of thrones the sequel is upon us lord Someday. of the rings the power the rings of power is upon us I, like, this is like now? and then andor is upon us yeah well yeah. she hulk premiered today and yeah oh my daughters are so excited she hulk is out right now i thought it was pretty good uh that was today yeah we've got uh we've got house of the dragon is sunday oh. uh Rings, yeah, th this week, Rings of Power is uh, right over the horizon. We've got that that uh, Hulu's Mike Tyson series this next week with uh, Trevante Rhodes, the guy from Moonlight. What uh, is that? Biographical series about Iron oh. Mike Tyson, the life and times of Mike mm. Tyson starring Trevante Rhodes, who was uh, the middle, the, the middle, no, no, the third guy from Moonlight. You know, the Moonlight, it's like three sections, he's three ages, he's yeah. the the adult. Not a great film. What, but, where okay. do we even start? Moonlight? It's Sorry. a great film. Nah, it was okay. It was good. Oh, it was, I would my say it was God. good. I don't think that's best picture. Sorry. Get out of here, man. Uh, we've got Disney's Pinocchio <laughs> coming up soon with Tom <laughs> Hanks. We've got Cobra Kai, a new season of Cobra Kai coming out soon. American Gigolo, that uh, Showtime series with John Bernthal, based on mm. the Paul Schrader movie. Uh, my knowledge is this deep and you just went you dug the hole you dug uh, the American hole American Gigolo is an 80s film from Paul Schrader starring Richard Gere where he plays a sex worker in Los Angeles uh, well regarded sort of drama from the 80s Paramount is doing a spin-off series where it's like it's a it's a sequel series so John Bernthal is going to play the same character hmm. you know like a, a few years after the original American Gigolo series all right, well, let's talk about the one that everybody's going to talk about, which is the the House of whatever. The House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon, Sunday. premiering Sunday. So we finally have Sundays back in the Game of Thrones universe. One, 
there is zero incentive left, I'm assuming, at this point for George R.R. R. Martin to ever finish the original series. And Just today he did an interview where he said, uh, I don't know when I'm going to finish them. Stop asking me for a for a date. Right. Never. I'm, I'm trying my best. Leave me Just alone. retire. Just be like, no, I'm not going to. Just retire. <laughs> yeah, he got a George Lucas this thing and just hand it off to somebody he trusts. It's I mean, just, it's so hard. I'm sure because he got so much heat from that show that now he's getting phone call constantly. We want you to do this. We want you to work on this. We got this video game. We want your name on this. And so, you know, how do you go back and focus on sitting in a quiet room and writing books when you've got... 800 offers to do TV shows and films and games and everything else. J.K. Rowling figured it out. Mike Did Cra- she? Michael exactly. Crichton figured Did it out. She? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Did Apparently, she? there were seven of these books or movies. <laughs> Bravo, yeah. Bravo. And there, wait, wait, hold on a second. I <laughs> mean, she is a content. In the mind. I mean, <laughs> she's still making things, but they're not. It's well, a Martin, shadow. Didn't the sequels do incredible? What's the, the prequel Wizarding sequel? Wizarding World? To it? No, the Fantastic Beast okay. movies. They don't even, they were supposed to be Hilarious. five of them. They don't even know if they're going to bother making the next oh, two. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, that, that, my bad information. So I no, thought those did well, too. That franchise is not. What it was. I mean, it's still hugely popular. There's eight Harry Potter films, seven books, but they split the seventh movie into two. So Deathly Hallows, one and two. And then there are three Fantastic Beasts movies that have come out after uh, that she she writes those movies. They're not based on books. But she I'm, writes I'm not talking movies. about her politics. I'm just talking about her pro- how prolific she is. We're talking she said she broke her brain. <laughs> I, I took it well, there. That I mean, was I don't like, like her politics, but totally separate from how awful her politics are. Uh, I also feel like her this follow-up. Fantastic Beast franchise is not has not been the follow up that we'd all hoped for from from. Harry I mean, Potter. I just want to be clear, though, to go back to Game of Thrones, that we're not even asking George R. R. Martin to come up with some amazing like new. I'm just saying. You stopped halfway, bro. <laughs> halfway. Well, this, yeah, like, this I got show. all excited. Cool. I read all the books. Like, I'm, like, plowing through them. I did not know going in that they did not end. And yeah. so I'm, like, re- I'm in the, whatever, the fifth book. Mm. And I'm, like, getting, you know, they're huge. And it, it's getting smaller and smaller, the amount that I have left to read. And I'm, like, I feel like he may want to start wrapping up some of these 93 Sansa's character still in threads trouble. here. Sansa's still in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> and then it just ends and I'm like, wait, I just read five books and that's only half the story and then yeah. it's never going to get done. And the, and the, the crazy only... thing about this new show is it's based on one of the books he wrote, like one of the spinoffs that he wrote after he was supo- finished with the main books. So this is Fire and Blood, the like Targaryen history of the Targaryen dynasty spinoff that he did. Which, to be clear, is going to be awesome, because book three, if I'm remembering correctly, is the best one. No, he can (laughs) shut up. I'm over him now. I only want to talk about the shows. Just leave the guy alone. Let him him write. A lot of the fans have now come around to this idea that it's Benioff and Weiss, the guys who created Game of Thrones, the series. We've shifted a lot of blame over to them, and uh, including George R. R. Martin, who recently was like, they started ignoring me. They stopped taking my calls after a while. Uh, So... Hmm. But whosever fault it is, can we agree that at a measly $20 million per episode for the 10-episode season, uh, House of the Dragon's going to stink? I'm just kidding. But it (laughs) is astonishing to me that we have gotten to the point in content creation where these episodes cost $20 million each to make, but that compared to other major projects like Stranger Things Season 4 at $30 million an episode or Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power at $58 million <laughs> per wow. episode. 3X. That yeah. $20 million an app is like, eh, I guess it might Bargain. be fine. Well, <laughs> What's it, going I, just, on? let's do the math here. I, I can't tell the difference between these and movies anymore. 
Yeah. You could, you could, somebody recut the Obi-Wan, and I know that was done on those crazy screens, but yeah. somebody recut it into a movie. I think it, if I went to the movies and saw it, I would be pretty pleased. And certainly with Game of Thrones, that looked like a movie to me, uh, especially in the last couple seasons. An hour of content for 20 million, a movie's two hours, 40 million. If you can make a mar you can't make a Marvel movie for 40 million. You can't make a Star Wars movie for 40 million. Yeah, true. It actually seems like 20 million an hour, even 60 million an hour would be 120 million for a Lord of the Rings movie. I think the Lord of the Rings movies, those three, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lon, I think it was like a six or $700 million yeah, budget sure. back oh, in the day. Sure. Yeah. So they were at 100 million. I mean, they saved money by then. making all three back to back, but it was still a ridiculously huge project years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you think about how much was practical, like all those locations were real. They built all those elf yes. costumes and all that armor. Crazy and you watch those behind yeah. the scenes. They had workshops going around the clock of just Crazy. the physical props and the stuff you need to make Lord Middle Earth come to life. Molly, do we know, is the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, using the same IP? And do they have the rights to that IP, you know, the aesthetics, the armor, the look and feel as the original series? Because I'm looking at it and I'm saying those are the same orcs. Those are the same elves. It's the same look they, and feel to me almost exactly. They paid the Tolkien estate. So they own the rights to Tolkien's writing, not all of Tolkien's writing, just Tolkien's writing as it relates to some of these aspects that they're developing. So, the, you know, but they didn't, this is not new line. So like they don't right. have the rights to Peter Jackson's Who films. owns new line? I thought new line was w owned by HBO. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery. But this what? new Lord of the Rings show is Amazon. Right. What's interesting right. is that literally today there's news that the Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, and Tolkien IP are all being acquired uh, in this like late night bombshell by Embracer Group, which I've never heard of, but it's going to acquire all of this uh, right now. Let's see. The It's acquiring it all from the Saul Zentz Company, which has been the rights holder for the franchise since 1976. And they're and the ones that produced the, the Jackson, like they, they collaborated on the Jackson films. They Saul Zentz or they? Yeah, Saul the Embracer Zentz. Group. Okay. Not the Embracer Group. So Have you ever Saul's... heard the Embracer Group? It also no. just bought a bunch of the Square Enix Western oh. teams. Hmm. I... It's a video game company. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense because Lord of the Rings Disney has or HBO or Amazon not buy that. I don't know, but that's a little bit of breaking streaming news. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I just different because Lord like that's the rights to to adapt that book's story, whereas Amazon bought like the Cimmerillion related stuff that they're adapting. So it is like we could have a bunch of different Lord of the Rings Middle Earth projects going because they're different Tolkien stories in the same setting. Lon, do you know hmm. the way that the Tolkien estate is set up with their hmm. IP? Isn't there something like the film rights are different from the TV rights are different from yes. the video game rights? They're like, that's all what I was saying entities, about new right? law. Like this, this is not being made in collaboration with the Jackson films in any way. And in fact, Peter Jackson said he like had a conversation with the people who are making the Amazon show. And then they like stopped talking to him and he doesn't have anything to do with it. So to answer Jason's original question, like they couldn't use Howard Shore's middle earth theme in the Amazon show, they can take their inspiration from the armor from Tolkien's writings, but they can't watch Lord of the Rings and then rip off those costumes. But wait a second. It looks exactly the same. The orcs and the and armor how, look the exact same. That's how Tolkien describes them, I guess, would be the argument that we're basing um, it on the, the book, hmm. not the design of Weta. Okay. 
This is interesting, though. There's a yeah. piece in the streamable.com that says it is curious that Amazon lost out on the bidding for the remaining rights to. You would think they would. Lord of the Rings you know, what and the if, you, if this is a huge hit, you don't want to do a sequel series where you jump ahead and do Aragorn? Of course you would. Like, right. Why wouldn't you? Hmm. But so then why wouldn't Amazon pony up, I wonder? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. this is developing more news as events warrant. Uh, and Breaker <laughs> Group, uh, breaking news, has got a 870 billion dollar sek i guess that's wow. swedish market cap i don't know what that equals in mm. u.s but this could be a j trade <laughs> i was just gonna say i'm like are you about to j trade right well, now Square no, Enix is a lot. like those are the final fantasy games and yeah Kingdom that's Hearts, a big deal and, like that's a lot of valuable ip there too mm. the company said in a press release opportunities include exploring additional movies based on iconic characters such as gandalf aragorn Gollum, galadriel ewen Ewan right. and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And some of those are also in what the earlier writings, so they can be in the Rings of Power, but they could also be in Hobbit and Lord of the Rings stories. Yeah, exactly. Because they're so. Alive I feel like don't get years. too attached to whatever you watch on Amazon because clearly there's not they're not going to make a sequel since they didn't pony up for the rights. I mean, well, it turns out forward, or their rather, stories set a thousand years. They're in the Second Age, so they could make Second Age stuff for. Decades. I mean, Got it. it's a whole different age. Phew. Anyway, super interesting news about uh, about that. And then let's actually, speaking of super interesting news, let's wrap with a pretty crazy streaming stat that also uh, this news came out today, just in time to have you online, which is that streaming has surpassed cable for the first time, according to new this. data from Nielsen. For the month of July, streaming among American TV households represented a record 34.8% share, share of total consumption, while cable and broadcast came in at 34.4% and 21.6% respectively. It's happened. We've tipped. Yeah. Did you see there There was also a report the other day that uh, this, the average age of, of CW viewer on broadcast, you guys want to take a guess? 50. 58 years old, 58 <gasps> years old. And that's, C, that's CW, which that's means it's CW? like all, it's River, Riverdale and The Flash. So that's younger skew. Fox, it turns out, is the youngest skewing and it's like 55 or 56. Wow. It's, like, it's just that the average age of broadcast TV viewers has gotten so old that it's dragging all these averages. The CW, that's amazing. All yeah. these, I'm just imagining like a bunch of like 58 year olds just sitting around watching all the vampire shows or whatever. Well, so they, Incredible. you know, CW just got, just got purchased so that they were releasing that like obviously the business model of making all of these teen shows when your average viewer is 60 years old we're gonna have to tweak this this model is the idea nick reports that as a young person having cable is like an old delicacy like having a record player or a louis yeah. the 14th style chair <laughs> yeah it's already like a niche thing like i don't expect people to have cable at this point still it's pretty notable it's a notable moment we've tipped like we've been talking about this for i don't know what nigh on two decades now like when are we gonna yeah. when is streaming gonna win today turns out there are today. a few of these networks that are in this interesting place amc is one of them we were just talking about better call saul where AMC is not baked into any of the big subscription platforms. You'd have to have AMC Plus to stream Better Call Saul. I feel like those are the last mm. shows keeping people on cable. Like once though that last group finds its way to a big streaming Yellowstone service. Yellowstone was over. one of those too, right? Yellowstone yeah, Yellowstone. Was like, where they, it's on whoever Paramount, made it sold it to somebody else and then they can't even have it on Paramount Plus or something? Paramount Network sold the rights to Netflix. So the year after it airs on Paramount Network, those episodes go to Netflix, but it can't put it on Paramount Plus, even though it would be the biggest draw to Paramount Plus because mm. it's the biggest show on cable. 
this is why all of this is why now that we have tipped, we are going to have to examine a little more closely the thing where if you subscribe to all the streaming channels, you will pay over well over $100 a month. Right. Yep. All right, Lon, great job. Hey, uh, on our uh, uh, on my little 5k <laughs> development project. Yes, crypto. I will check in. We'll check in. Yes, I want to do a little check in here. I've been thinking about it. I'm wondering, mm -hmm. since the other project has been picked up. Yes, new Regency is developing it right. Right. Now. And there are so many other shoes dropping in crypto. I have an idea for you. What if we made just a crypto series that just covers that moment in time and weaves together a number of stories? Oh, wow. I'm, I'm one step ahead of you. Uh, okay, we have ahead. already been, me and my creative team, uh, which okay. is me and my friend Drew, uh, we've already been workshopping this very idea of okay. what if it was rather than just one crypto project gone yes. frothy and then wrong what if we tried to follow you know several projects in an ongoing way and we figure yes. out some through lines that kind of pull the audience through i i feel like this is Love the way i have a suggestion there which is including law enforcement who are chasing these people mm -hmm. <gasps> i was just gonna say like a procedural turns so you, out are you are you pitching a straight up like law and order colon crypto no. or no i more like I a, a drama series, but with that as like a hook. I'm wondering if a drama series like The Sopranos. Right. Or The Shield. Yes, but not or, a procedural is what I was getting across. No, not procedural means it's like every episode is like a, uh, like like a CSI itself. or a Law and Order. No, like Crypto no. Team comes in and it's like, all right, this week we've crypto got this jam. <laughs> if you had a Jesus, bunch of people who are no. like OGs in crypto... <laughs> They were into it, then, you know, they one goes down the dark path, one's going down the light path, one's right. in venture capital. I mean, that's what I'm thinking is you you structure it around, it's a group of people that are all learning about crypto together in some way, yes. shape, or form, and then we're following all of them as they join different projects. Good and, exactly. good and bad, noble One and does the monkey project, scam. so the one goofy guy who nobody takes seriously winds up making the griff that makes the most money right. that nobody saw coming, the gri the, the monkey one. The, the board chimpanzee apes. one, Molly. Board apes is what you're Well, talking. I'm just saying a monkey one. One that's based on primates <laughs> and NFTs. This is specific. inspired by true events. Oh, not any monkey. specific yacht clubs, exactly. I understand. No. Yeah, but somebody else makes the, see, I think the thing of interest, somebody else makes the Bitcoin one and you kind of, we can make up our own who is Satoshi. So I think we start with Satoshi is a group of people. They have the goods on each other. They are, they cannot break their silence of who Satoshi is. It's five of them. One goes off and does Ethereum. One goes off mm. and does NFTs. One goes off and does an ICO oh, pure so you're, crime. So you're pitching like an alternate history of cryptocurrency, like a fictionalized. Or an exploration That's where fun. we get, we have people tell us like back, you know, stories that are just too crazy. And then we adapt those crazy stories, kind of huh? like the mafia movies have done, right? The mafia movies, right. Like, so like tell a, me the craziest okay. thing. Okay. So and they're like, we buried like, this guy in the desert and here's what we did before like we buried a, him. Like we, a casino, a blow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There it is, casino blow. Pull, pull back the curtain on yes. all this crazy time. And uh, okay, well, we'll talk about this one. I think, I think okay, I'll go talk about it offline. I think this is a good idea. That's fine. I think we've secured the IP by stop, by talking about it in public now. Yeah, that's it. Nobody can it. That's it. No more. Well done. All right. Thanks, Lon. Bye, Lon. Everybody follow Lon at Lon's. And thanks for listening. And make sure to tune in tomorrow. We've got a really fun variety show because Friday. Yes, we'll have a, a launch accelerator founder interviewed by Molly. I'll do some Ask Jason questions. And then, of course, if it's Friday, it's Rachel and OK Boomer. You know, we got a little bit of everything to take you into the weekend. It's going to be a great show. All right. See you tomorrow.